Yo, 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 hey, 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 we are back with another episode of Dialogue Heavy with George Truly, Michael Anthony McMillan. What up? Guys, we got another one. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. And I appreciate you as always, as usual. Let's get into it. So last week on God Bless the Girls, uh, as you know, Mark, our main character, Sarah's best friend, has been telling her all the situations that came to uh, on, from his side of things. And uh, he talked about how uh, the situation he started off with the with the history of the family now he's telling her how he got to sarah so uh there was a real estate convention in honor of his mother and he had to go his, his mom said no you're going you and your dad are going so he reluctantly goes to this uh convention and while there amongst meeting all the other realtor and snobby people that he thought was snobby anyway he sees um, Teresa and uh, Jerry Sr., the parents of Gore. And he remembers them from the party and the body slam and all that. Remember, he was in his truck. So he saw everything that Sarah saw just from his point of view. And um, so he remembered them. And then he remembered their demeanor and how they seemed sketchy and weird. And particularly how Teresa looks at women. His mother... Mark's mother, Lynn, he said that she was looking at her like a lion looks at a gazelle. And then also the same with some of the waitress staff at the convention. So he kept his eye on that, but he went and did what he had to do. He later on went outside for a smoke break and went to go go take a piss, go to relieve himself. And he hear, overhears a conversation that Jerry is having with Teresa on the phone after Jerry couldn't find her inside of the party. Jerry is freaking out because Teresa wants to take another, yet another victim home. And Jerry is telling her no. Reason being, the city is already on high alert from Sarah's um, capture. And uh, they can't be under further scrutiny. Obviously, Teresa doesn't agree with that. But more importantly, Mark overhears all of this and, and flips the fuck out. Um, he almost gets caught by Jerry. Um, because he slips in his own urine and stuff. And, um, but luckily for him, a, um, what do you call it? A catering truck comes, the catering truck comes and pulls up to the, the port of the building and, uh, Jerry goes in and escapes. And that's basically where we're going to start off at. Mark's, Mark decides to go and, um, look for Sarah on his own rather than alert his dad. So that's where we're going to start. Chapters 37, 38, and 39 today on God Bless the Girls. Here we go. Um, as you know, at this point, um, everything that's written and um, read on this on this uh, podcast, sorry, I'm flubbering over myself. I'm already looking at the words on the page. Uh, Dialogue Heavy is all recited and written by yours truly, Michael Anthony Millen. So without further ado, I bring to you another couple of chapters of God bless the girls let's go chapter 37 earlier that day Mark promised his mother that he would only go to the real estate thing on one condition that condition would be that he could take his own car so he can go to the gym afterwards since I was gone and the town had turned on him Mark felt like 
working out his heart to near explosion every night was the only way that he could sleep. His mother agreed. Okay, when Mark went back into the party, he looked around for Jerry and Teresa and couldn't find them. He busted out the front door and looked in the parking lot, not knowing exactly what he was looking for until he saw the van from the night of the party. He ran to his car and sped out of the lot, almost crashing into another car that held a family of five. Mark used the knowledge that his father briefed him about when he was younger to tell the van and he kept his distance. But once they left the city street and got into the open rural areas, he had turned he had to turn his lights off in the black of night or else Jerry Sr. and Teresa would surely notice. The only thing that guided Mark was the taillights of the van that was becoming further and further away until ultimately he was in the dark. Mark rolled his window down and listened for any clues of which direction the truck had gone and got nothing but squawking sounds and mating calls from the nocturnal animals that were surely watching him and he gripped tighter until his father's shotgun that he had on the passenger side seat. Now, his father would kill him if he knew he had it, but Mark had so much anxiety ever since he started receiving threats on his life that caring was the only thing that made him feel safe in public. Besides, he had only ever planned to use it for intimidation anyways. Way off in the distance, Mark saw the bright brake lights light up in the up the gargantuan trees that surrounded Jerry and Teresa's home and decided to stop where he was and walk the rest of the way. He waited and waited, and finally, after the last light in the house went out for the night, Mark made his approach. In fear of being seen, he didn't use the light of his phone to light the path and the moon did little to help. It did, though, make him aware of the night creatures whose eyes glinted and stalked Mark as he passed. The snapping of twigs and coos scared the living daylights out of him, but he tried to keep his cool and continue with his pursuit. The cold was beginning to mess with his senses, and amongst other things, he'd wish he'd taken that shrimp puff offer given by the cute waitress earlier at the realtor's ball. But his stomach would have to wait though because the next thing he knew when he was about 200 or so yards away from the house when he he was about 200 or so yards away from the house when he heard the faintest echo of a screen door swing open and bang against the side of the house and when he looked up a tall lanky white girl barefooted and barely clothed jumped the stairs jumped the stairs of the patio and ran into the dark forest chapter 38 sarah he yelled and by the sheer speed of the pale white figure running through the trees and galloping over logs, he said he knew it had to be me. When he saw a big, dark, hulking figure that was when he saw the big, dark, hulking figure that was running, stop and look in his direction with with no ins with no with, OK, let me stop. All right. Here we go. When he saw the big, dark, hulking figure that was running, stop and look in his direction with no if ands or buts mark aimed his father's gun at gore and squeezed the trigger but nothing happened what the fuck mark yelled in a panic as he watched gore continue to try to chase me down in his panic and self-stated dumb nature he realized seconds later that he had never cocked the gun shit he said as he cocked the shotgun back and forward but when he went to aim the sh at the shadowed man he was gone 
fuck, he said, and ran back to his truck. But by this time, the beginning of the light of the next day would help would would help him just enough to see as he arrived to it. Dad, Mark yelled into his phone as he tried to reverse down the narrow gravel road. I think I found Sarah. Mark, where are you? I thought you were in the house. Dad. Yes, son, I heard you. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. I think. What's going on? Mark faintly heard his mother say in the background. Mark is out of the house and he says, Dad, Mark said. Mark pulled out onto the open road and punched his gas pedal heading toward the direction he saw me go last. I hear you, Mark. I think you should just come home and we... Mark hung up the phone and sent his father his location pin, then threw his phone onto the passenger seat. He passed over the train tracks and right as he looked over to his right, he saw two figures way off yonder and pumped his brakes. His phone rang, but Mark ignored it. Ahead of him, about three or four miles was the next turn. He'd have to try to make a big square detour. And in that time, I could have been caught. Fuck this, Mark said. He hit reverse, pulled back a few feet. Then he shifted into overdrive and drove his truck onto the tracks. Mark's truck was getting tore up by the train tracks, but he was focused on the two bodies in front of him. The truck jumped up and down and Mark knew if he didn't concentrate on staying flush as possible to the tracks, the whole truck would roll over. He wasn't going as fast as he wanted. And when he looked, but when he looked up and saw me take that right turn going back towards the house, he panicked. No, Mark yelled. He pressed the accelerator and soon enough, his car started to smoke. It sounded like the engine had fell out the bottom. It was also, it was so loud and it was so loud. And when Mark tried to pull off the tracks, the front passenger tire gave out and the whole truck toppled over upside down. Fuck, Mark yelled, fuck, Mark yelled. And he closed his eyes, embracing the impact. And when he opened his eyes moments later, he and his truck were upside down and the barrel of his dad's shotgun was pressed squarely against his forehead. Chapter 39. Mark laid between his cracked windshield and his dashboard. He kicked his way through the driver's side window, grabbed his weapon and ran the rest of the train track. When he made it to the right to the turn that he saw me do, he was it was nothing but a windy road and forest. He wasn't sure if I was caught and and dragged back into the forest or if I was still on the road. He looked around for clues and about 100 yards into his run, right before the first wind in the road, he saw sweat drop, uh, sweat droplet puddles every few feet. Mark lifted a lot of weights, but he was, but he was always left the, uh, hold on a second guys. Mark lifted a lot of weights, but he always left, but he always left the running to me. So by this time, his legs were cramping. On top of that, the last thing he drank was champagne that he snuck to drink at the realtor party. But when he heard me yell, he sprinted to get me. When he turned that last corner, he saw me at Jerry's truck about 100 yards away, fighting with all my might to get away from them. He was about 50 yards behind Gore, who was running at me as well. Sarah! Mark yelled. But in my state of panic, and maybe also the drugs kicking in, I thought Gore was yelling for me, and that's all I saw when I looked down the road. Mark said Gore stopped and stared at him, then sprinted to try to get to me first. 
When I pulled away from Jerry and ran into the forest, Gore was going after me, and that's when Mark stopped, aimed, and shot right into the truck. And shot right into the cab of the truck. He said all he saw was that after that was blood spatter. No! Gore yelled at the top of his lungs once he'd reached the truck. And once Mark got there, Gore gave him a look of death that even with a gun, Mark said later, crept into his bones. Don't you fucking move, Mark said as he pointed the shotgun at Gore's face. Gore, with tears still rolling down his face, obeyed the order but looked like he was ready to do to Mark what he'd been doing to his parents' past victims. Mark kept his gun on Gore as he paced slowly backwards through the forest in the direction he'd saw me go. He kept his gun pointed in the general, general region in the truck until he couldn't see the truck anymore. Then he booked it and searched for me. Mark yelled and yelled for me and couldn't get any clues to or hear, yell, or hear me yell back. And finally, he found me at the lake. In the position that he saw my body in, he thought that I could have been dead. But when he rolled me over, I was barely breathing and unresponsive. Mark's father had to call in a favor from his old mentor and field training supervisor, Buck, just to get the department to believe his story and go out on the chase for me and my captors. But eventually, he and the Galveston Sheriff's Department arrived at Mark's truck, where his phone lay as a tracking device. Then while they patrolled the area, they found Jerry's truck and pulled up right as Mark was walking out the forest, carrying what looked like my lifeless body. The sheriffs forced Mark to drop me and the shotgun and lay on the ground. I guess they were just following procedure and they didn't know what they were walking into out there. But if you ask me, they were still just being dicks. The department took Mark down took Mark downtown and questioned him like he was a suspect for a while, but they eventually let him go. He went straight from the department to the hospital I was at. He was there night and day. There wasn't a single time that he woke up, that I woke up, and he wasn't in his chair over by the window. Eventually, after fighting with Mark tooth and nail, the hospital staff realized the term visiting hours didn't apply to him. And when I finally, when I finally arrived home, my parents realized that too. And boom! That's it, guys. 37, 38, 39 of God Bless the Girls. Man. That's Mark's side now. So, I hope you liked it. I hope you uh, listened and you liked it and stuff. This is a crazy story. And we're getting there, man. We're getting there. We're not too far from the end now. And um, I'm glad that you hung on, on on the ride for me. So Mark did his thing, man. That dude loved this girl through and through. Out of all the shit that she put him through and not wanting to be in a relationship with him. He uh, he fought and he stayed there. And um, luckily he was there, man. Because if it wasn't for Mark, who knows if Sarah ever would have been found. Who knows if she would have, you know, not made it. Or if she would have unfortunately been just like any any one of the other victims. So now you're here in Mark's side and uh, crazy twists and turns with uh, Gore and Jerry and Teresa as well. So I got a, a, a nice little tidbit today from uh, the people that I record this this um, this podcast with. And on the analytics, man, it looks like we got over 2000 listeners 
on here now. It's, I can't even fucking believe it. I can't even fucking believe it. So congratulations to you guys. And I appreciate you, you guys. I guess I wrote it. So I guess there's a little appreciation and congratulations to me as well. But I'm just glad you're here, man. So if you want to help expand the the podcast, you can, you know, do what you got to do. You can share, comment and all that other stuff. Anything is appreciated. Uh, We started to create a a community here that's listening to this stuff. And I, I can't thank you more enough than than um than what i can say on here but i'll continue to try to make these stories great and uh, make you guys proud and uh make it listenable <laughs> i don't even know if that's a word but um yeah so i thank you man i really 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 do thank you and my heart just swells just thinking that that many people are listening to these stories and i just wanted to i just wanted to get it out you know i just wanted to i started this podcast just trying to get it get my stories out i didn't want them to go uh without being heard Uh, my very first podcast says that that you know i have these stories in my head and i write them and stuff and you know not everybody has the opportunities and the platforms and stuff like that but i'm glad a place like anchor has given me the opportunity to put my stuff out there and just your choice to listen to it and with all the choices around the world all the humongous podcasts and all that other stuff uh I'm, i'm glad that you're listening to this and I hope that, you know, uh, we get more people listening to it and stuff. So I thank you and I appreciate you again from the bottom of my heart. I can't thank you anymore. And I will check catch you next week. God bless the girls. Let's go. Shoot.